You know, I really feel like that you're all my friends, and I love the way our beauty does it from Texas. Because now we have permission to break our own anonymity when we're with one another. So since I'm your friend and you're my friend, and uh, my friends know how to get hold of me, so my real name is Talent. Because you see, you ought to be able to know where I am if you really are the kind of people I think you are. I don't know exactly how to start to just foul this whole thing up. Uh, you see, they do this to non-alcoholics all the time. <laughs> Besides that, I'm really not that nervous to talk to Alan on AA, and then you throw in some normal people. And, and, uh, I'm not a bit afraid to talk in front of people who by their own admission are insane. <laughs> but then you throw these so-called normal folks in. But um, just bear with us, and if you get through listening before I get through talking, I'll understand if you get up and leave. <laughs> I came to this program. I'll tell you a little bit about what I was like and what happened, and I hope to tell you quite a bit about what it's like now. I really don't like... I really don't like this disease. I'll be right honest with you. I think it's the ugliest disease in the world, but I adore the recovery. And if the only way that you can get here is because of this disease, then I'm 100% for the disease. Uh, I came to this program not because I asked for any help. I read an article, not an article, I read a little ad in our paper and it said, so you love an alcoholic, there's help for you, call this number. Well, I didn't know I was married to an alcoholic and what I was married to, I didn't love, so it didn't pertain to me. <laughs> Thank heaven, there was a gal who spotted in me what had happened to her, and she kept trying to call me to talk to me about something, and I didn't know her all that well. And you know, they say that alcoholics are super sensitive. Don't kid yourself, we're super sensitive too. And whenever anybody that I didn't know very well kept calling and wanting to know if she'd come talk to me, I didn't want to talk to her. Because I had this kind of funny thinking, I wasn't going to like what she said. So every time she called, I was busy, and I was always on my way somewhere. And uh, that's true. I flew around a lot. Speaking of flying around, i got to tell you one thing I think is great. There's an alcoholic that used to introduce his wife as this is the angel that stood by me, you know. And I just love this because I think we do qualify there. Because you know what an angel is? It's somebody who's holding up in the air and hopping. <laughs> I kept calling me and she wanted to talk to me and she didn't tell me why so I kept putting her off but it bothered me and so finally one time she called and she never did tell me why so I said well I'm on my way somewhere I'll stop by your house because I thought well then I'm not really on my way somewhere not get up and leave so I went in and she was married to a rancher who drank I was married to a rancher who drank they drank together quite a bit as a matter of fact they were cousins and uh she began to tell me the dumbest thing I believe I've ever heard. She told me that she used to worry so about his drinking and she used to sit up nights and she used to look out the windows, you know, and of course I'm kind of going like this, you know, and then she said this ignorant thing. She said, of course, I realized now I've been saying, here's old Jimmy going to move. <laughs> and she kept talking like dumb things like that. And she kept saying, I don't have to do that anymore. And I thought, well, I never did have to do this, you see. And I guess I didn't have to do it, but I did it. 
up and down all this time. And I'm in her house, and she's sitting there calming and smiling and telling me about this beautiful program. I don't know what she's talking about, but... And I'm jumping up and looking out her window to check all these pickups going up and down the street, and she's just sitting there like a dummy. And I, I couldn't understand her. I was so nervous, and she was so calm, and I just wanted out. I really did. And then she said, I wanted to deny everything to her, but she never said I did anything. She just said she did these things, and I wanted to say I never did, and she never said I did, and that's just terrible. <laughs> and I just wanted out. And she said, I'd be happy to take you to a meeting, and I said, oh, I'm just so busy. And God knows I was busy, and my nights were real busy. <laughs> And so she loaned me a book, and I said I'd read it. And she said, because, you see, I don't know. Uh, my husband may die drinking. I don't know. But I can live happily either way. And then I said a wonderful thing. It had so much wisdom in it, and I felt so smug as I lived. I said, that may be fine for you, but I have no intention of living happily. And I didn't. <laughs> and I went home, and I lived miserably. <laughs> And I hated her, and I didn't know why, because I really wasn't sure what she said. But I didn't like it, and I didn't like the way she sat still. And you're, if you're married to a drunk rancher, you ought to be checking the pickups. And she wasn't. And so, now I've got this double problem. My husband didn't happen to be a bar drinker. So I took great pride in the fact I didn't call Bart, but I was crazy, but I wasn't stupid. There wasn't any call the bar, I didn't drink there. But I, God, I went on a lot of back roads, and I checked a lot of barns and a lot of crowds. And sheep wagons and all that kind of stuff. So now I've got this real bad problem. i I got to make this run over a, Our ranches are 75 miles apart, and i got to make this run periodically. I've got two darling children that require feeding periodically. And I gotta watch out for this woman. Because I'm not gonna shop where she is and I'm not gonna be where she is. And, and so I'm having some kind of well by this time I was already having some imaginary conversations with my husband, you know, this kind. When he comes home I'm gonna stay and when he says then I'm gonna you know. Well, now I've got a lot of conversations going because I thought if she ever approaches me again, I'm going to tell her this and this and when she says that, you know, so it's just getting really bad. <laughs> and I've gone, we'll have two markets and craze, and I'll pull into the parking lot and we'd be out of bread and eggs and milk and the whole thing, you know, and her car'd be there and I'd be, damn, I'll make a biscuit and the kids don't need milk. <laughs> and I wouldn't go in because I really don't want to talk to her. <laughs> And so for 16 months, I'm not proud of the fact that I thought that this program could have taken it, but that's what happened. But I'm no longer worried about it anymore. I think whatever it takes, it takes. And I've always said I could have battled the, the drunk and, and the booze maybe physically for a long time, but then I also got to battle the truth, and that was the end. So for 16 months, I ran from her, and we didn't eat as well as we should have because she shopped a lot. And... <laughs> But somehow we survived, and God really takes care of drunks and children, and I was the one that was just absolutely frantic. You see, I hadn't started out ugly about this, because I knew my husband drank, my family drank socially. In fact, I connected it with getting out the nicest classes, and people wore lovely dresses, and the food was extra special. And I thought it was okay. It was an occasion when you had something to drink. And so I thought it was all right, and I knew my husband drank. 
And I really didn't realize he drank too much. And he looked so lost and lonely sometimes, you know. And I just thought he really did need me. And uh, right now I think I'm about the darnest thing that ever happened to him other than alcoholism. <laughs> anyway, I, I didn't object to his drinking, and I don't know when exactly. We used alcohol in our home, and whenever we had anything social, he prepared the drinks or planned the drinks, and I prepared the food, and it was great. And I, but I kind of vaguely like remember that I began to talk to him about our friends that I thought were drinking a little bit too much, and he thought they were too, and I thought they deserved that. <laughs> and, um, so we had reasonable times like this, you know? And I can remember how it got worse and worse because we planned nice dinner parties and I worked all day and, and had the children arranged for and the house looked great and everything was going to get done on time and the whole bit was just, and you know, but by this time, you'd go in and four of the guests had left. Two of them furious. One of them was crying, you know, and I, well, everything's just going apart, you know. And I couldn't figure out, this wasn't getting social anymore and people would sit in a potato salad and stuff, you know. <laughs> if he drinks a little bit, but I think these friends are drinking too much, and obviously he's drinking too much with him. For sure, because me, he was drinking in the pickup and in the garage and in the bathroom and everything, and they weren't there, but... <laughs> Anyhow, I began to do the same things. We began, I began to not want to have anything social, and I didn't want to go to anything social, because I thought that would keep him from drinking so much. Now, I have to be honest with you, I didn't know about alcoholism, and I didn't know that he couldn't drink at all successfully, so I kept wanting to cut down. Because I didn't have any objection to drinking, it was drunkenness I didn't like, you see. So if he just wouldn't drink so much, it'd be all right. And I drank with him. And I, I used to say, why don't you drink like me? I don't, I'm sure he probably thought he was, you know. I, I was there a lot, so he probably assumed. But anyway, I began to get really obsessed about this thing, and I talked to him, and I fed with him, and I used all the things. I really didn't talk that much about the drinking. I talked about his health and, what, and my health and the children's health and his business and the money he was spending. And, the, you know, and I sometimes, well, I was sitting up anyway waiting. So I did a lot of things that were very important. Like I'd go through the checkbook and I'd lock down everything that was to liquor stores because, as I say, he bought his own and he preferred his own company, really. And, and I knocked down all these things, you see. And then when he'd come home, I'd, I'd say to him kindly, look at the money that you spent last month at the liquor store. And he would say, well, you see, the truth of it is, though, he said, some of the men owed money in there. So sure, I did pick up a couple of fifths, but he said, you see, I paid off the men, and I think, oh. And he'd say, but anyway, he said, you know, I'll tell you, if you're really worried about the money, because you had it on the money. He said, if you're worried about the money, he said, I'm going to tell you what's the matter around here. He said, you know, every time I come home, you got every damn light in this house on. The kids never turn the closet light off. And you know, somehow it got all turned around and talked for two months after that. I'm running around. We're in the dark most of the time. And that's how it goes. You try to talk with an alcoholic. And that's the way it goes. It got all turned around until somehow I'm wasting a lot of money and there's stuff going out to those 100 watt bulbs you wouldn't believe. <laughs> If you people don't believe that hundred dollar bills cost you money, I'm going to tell you something. I got canceled checks to prove just how expensive this is. But anyway, that's kind of the way it went. I tried so many things, I just couldn't understand. Uh, I finally got over this reasonableness, got over the little graphs I was preparing to show how bad it was, and I got mighty ugly about it. 
I really got me. Because I had about enough of this, and I, a lot of people talk to people about the abuse and all this. I didn't. Because, you see, I wanted this man really badly. He was a rancher. I was from a ranching family. He was just really nuts. And I wanted him. And I got him. And I didn't want anybody to think I'd made a mistake. <laughs> I didn't. And I didn't want my folks to know. I sure did not. My father died in the meantime. And my mother, one time only, said, you know, honey, I think Homer's drinking a little too much. And I knew he was drinking too much. I just thought he'd been lecturing until four in the morning about this very subject. And you know, I turned on her and I said, how dare you say such a thing about him? And she never mentioned it again. Of course, I proceeded. I continued to lecture. Probably the poor dear the next night, I probably said, even my mother thinks you're Because <laughs> I was a big one for that. And I was always saying, the neighbors think you drink too much. Everybody thought he drank too much. I told him. <laughs> but I was absolutely obsessed with this. I really was. He finally got sicker and sicker. I still didn't know it was a disease. He got sicker and sicker. He went, he sat up with doctors. I was humiliated because it was a local doctor. <laughs> then I got really angry because one time I didn't know he'd been with the doctor. And he came home and he said, the doctor would like to talk to you. And I said, how? dare you involve me in this thing? Because <laughs> I'm already right up to here. <laughs> but finally began to make the sanitariums, and I'm all for that. I think you have to do what you have to do. I don't have to believe in sanitariums, and it, by the way, if I offend anybody here tonight, it's my opinion. And if I repeat it, but if you take it to your higher power, I ain't responsible for that. Because <laughs> I got a right to tell it how it is. I, uh, I like what old Joe says. The, Alcoholics of his acquaintance that have had alcoholism beaten out through their kneecaps with rubber mallets are damn few. But well, I agree with that. I used to say what I thought psychiatry and, and psychology and all this did. Uh, in my home group, I didn't think it worked. And one little thing that they came up one time who had her husband safety tucked away in the front of the and she was enjoying it. And I know about that. I enjoyed those trips of his, too. <laughs> but she said, I really don't think you should say that because you're not a doctor and I don't know that you have a right to say it. And I said, have you by any chance gone this route? And she said, no, I haven't. And I said, well, I have. And I have several sample texts to prove I have a right to my opinion. And I don't think it works. <laughs> and I don't. I'm a firm believer. I loved last night when all you alcoholics were talking about pain. I'm a big believer in pain. I heard plenty before I got here. And that's okay, because I would have never, I would have never, ever asked for help without that pain. Not ever. Because, you see, I was bright. I was from a nice family. I didn't need you scuzzy folks. I really didn't. What in the world could you possibly tell me? But, you see, I hurt so bad, and I remembered finally what this woman said to me. And 16 months later, after I'd been avoiding her all over town, I called her up and I said, you know, I don't know what's wrong, but I can't go on. And she said, I'll be right there. And she was. And thank God for people who come to you and, and allow you to hate them for as long as it takes, but then come back when you need them. Because I'll always be grateful to her, because you still might never have found this thing if she hadn't pointed her finger right at me by telling about herself. I might never have found you people. But anyway, she came, and you know, she told me the same thing, and it made total sense to me. That time, it made total sense to me. She invited me to a meeting. I was excited to go, because I just loved her that day, and she sounded like me, and I really wanted out. And I've been thinking about murder and that sort of stuff, and 
And I really have seriously, because of the snoring, I've got to tell you this, fellas. You, you alcoholics don't know, but I'm going to tell you something. You snore something terrible when you're drunk. It just sounds like you're eating a tree. No big deal, but it's a big deal when you're nuts and lying there beside you. I used to pray, have a big prayer. For God wasn't anything I wasn't familiar with. I prayed long, anguish prayers. I wish you could have heard them because they were wonderful prayers. They were emotional, they were explicit. I had it all laid out. And, and I knew he couldn't help but be moved. I just knew he couldn't. And one of the prayers was, God, if you'll just keep him from snoring, I will never ask another thing of you. And I thought, God, I'm missing. I really did. I thought he was watching the stairs again, and I'm sleeping this way. So there were so many things I used to pray. I never, when, when I went to this program the first time, they told me about prayer. I said, oh, I prayed. Oh, God, didn't I? <laughs> I did pray. I prayed he would die, and I prayed he wasn't hurt. And then I prayed that I would kill him, but that I wouldn't get caught. And I prayed that he would be sober by Thursday, because the bridge club was Thursday. You know, I mean, they were important prayers. They were serious. And God didn't answer them, and I told them that when I came. God doesn't answer me. And they said, God always answers prayers, sweetie. The answer was no. And I thought, is that right? <laughs> That's okay. I came and I loved you people right from the beginning. Oh, I just loved you. I felt so warm and welcome. And I couldn't believe that they'd been right there in my town all through this horrible anguish I'd been going through. And they'd been there laughing and happy. I just loved you. And I walked out the door and I got in that car and I thought, aren't they great? And if somebody said what they say, I didn't know what you said. So I had to keep coming back. I couldn't remember what you said until I got to the corner. I loved it. So, of course, I couldn't do it because I didn't know what you said. I wasn't thinking real good, and besides that, I wasn't used to being sidetracked from my main purpose in life. <laughs> but I began to go to three meetings a week, and thank God for alcoholic groups who welcome non-alcoholics. I mean that, thank God. Don't turn Al-Anon away from you. I know it's a big thing, I you know, where they say, well, we just can't have all these weird straight people. The first place we're weird, but we ain't straight. <laughs> Let us in. Just let us in sometimes because you see, I got so much from the alcoholics, and you know why? I was listening for him. I had to find out what to tell him. <laughs> and they told me to let go. Don't try to handle his life anymore. And I thought that's great. So I didn't try to handle it in the old ways, but I rushed right home and I carried this message to him, and he blew right straight sky. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I, I don't understand. But I thought, well, maybe. Maybe if I keep going back, they'll tell me how to do this properly. So I did. I kept going back. I think most non-alcoholics, love an alcoholic, come to the program first for their alcoholics so they can help their alcoholics. So I came, but thank God, my alcoholic continued to drink, and I say that sincerely. God really knows what he's doing in this program. There's nothing happens by accident, you know, not anything. I like what is it that one fellow says, you know, that there aren't any uh, coincidences, those are just minor miracles for which God wishes to remain anonymous. And I believe this is true because it happened just the way it had to happen in our home. In the first place, my husband was a little suicidal, and had he sobered up when I was so sick, he would have gotten it done because he could have finally then figured out when to load the 
They're just being left over your husband. What? You can't do that. There are many ways you can do that. But you can by doing the things in this and forgetting your husband for a moment. Because, you know, there are some things in your big book that I don't know if you even know they're in there. And if you don't, you find them out. And if you all not, don't believe me, you go and read it because they're in there. You know, it talks about somewhere around the ninth step in your program. It says, and somewhere along the way, and I'm quoting this badly and I'm sorry for this, I should have looked it up. It doesn't matter. It's something that meant something to me. Somewhere along the way, we found that God had removed our compulsion for alcohol. It doesn't say that suddenly I didn't need to drink anymore. It says somewhere in there he had. Well, you know, somewhere in along about there, God removed my compulsion to try to manage another human being. I learned through these 12 steps. I know what it means that hell, the road to hell is paved with good intention. Boy, do I know what that means. Because I really wanted to be a good wife, and I wanted to be a good mother, even before the program, but especially after it. A lot of it was for you people, because I loved you, and I would love to have been what you would like me to be. And so I went home, and I was going to be those things, and I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't be those things. And you know, where you find all the, all the things in, in you that ought to be changed? You know, when you're taking these steps, all I try and do is I do things and I think I'm going to change them. And I can't. I can't. You see, I thank God for all you people because you told me how to work this, but you know, don't ever kid yourself. You didn't get each other sober. God did it. You, Alamon, I love you dearly, and I love you, A.A., but you didn't get me saying God did. You only showed me what to do so that he would perform what he promised he would perform. Because I tried to change myself, and I couldn't. And I anguished over it, and I tried hard, and I worked hard, and I couldn't do it. And finally, I had to do just what it says, give it up. And I had to say, God, I can't. I'm a mess. Can you do anything about it? And it wasn't instantaneous, but the relief was instantaneous, and he did begin to do things. You know, he ain't true with me yet. I understand that. But I'm so much better than I used to be. And the thing about it is, even when I'm terrible now, I know that God hasn't finished with me yet, yet but I know that he loves me. And I found out who I was down here. You see, for a while, I was mother and daddy's little girl. And then for a long time, right, it seemed like an eternity, I was Homer's wife. <laughs> and that seemed like a long, long time. But you see, who I really am is a child of God. And he does love me. And he does care for me. And he will do the things he promised if I am willing to do the things that you beautiful people have taught me work. He will do these things. And it's a promise. You know the promises in the big A book? I just love it when they ace me that, because I don't sit there anymore and say, isn't that nice for them? You know, I don't really care how much about you anymore. <laughs> you know, you ain't going to get this program again. It's nothing to do with me anyway. But you see, do take care of this program, because I need it. That's why I want you to take care of it. I want you to be the kind of AA and l that were here when I came. And I can't do anything about you, but I can try to be the kind that was there when I came. And now when we have new people, and they ask me these dumb things, like, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to go look for him or not. I say, why don't you come see me, and we'll talk it over. And you know, it's the same thing we get to talk it over. We get all that going on. And that's okay. But that's what people did to me. They took me in a lot of times. 
and they said a really neat thing, which they don't do so much in our group anymore, and I think I know why they don't. They said, even in our mind, you know, if you get nervous even at night, call somebody and hear some numbers, and I thought to be nervous tonight, and I call folks every night, two or three and four in the morning, and so we don't do that much anymore. But I still think it's a good idea, but I used to get scared, and I just said it was dark. Just because it was dark, and I was used to being scared at night. And I didn't know what was the matter, and a lot of times they'd say, well, what seems to be the problem? And I'd say, I don't know. And they'd say, he's home? And I'd say, yeah. And they'd say, is he sleeping? And I'd say, yeah. And they'd say, well, what's the problem? And I said, I don't know. But it's time to be afraid. <laughs> and that's the truth. That's how sick we get. So don't turn us off. But I would say something down on for God's sake, don't write this program on the AA coattails. You can if you want to. You can survive. But you know this program isn't for surviving. I found that out. And you can settle for less. But you know God won't. If you're letting, I want every single thing this program offers. And there's no reason in the world I can't have it. And you know why? It's because of you people. Because first of all, God gave this program to AA. And then, thank God, he laid it on your hearts to share it with us. So you see, this whole thing, I believe, is a God-given program. And I love each and every one of you. I'd do anything in the world that you ask me to do, but let's don't ever forget that it ain't tranquilizers, and it ain't detoxification centers, and it ain't sanitary. You know who? Has, has rescued us from our insanity, both kinds, because you know insanity is insanity. I don't care what your obsession was, I know what mine was, and an obsession is an obsession. God did that. So keep it safe, because there are an awful lot of sick people out there, as sick as I was. And before I forget, thank you so much for the flowers, and thank you for the rocket, and the dinner, and you've done so many nice things for me, and this just seems unreal to me. Because, you see, you've already done the most important thing you could have done for me, and that's saved my life. One other thing I'd like to remember, because i got a couple of AAs and gentlemen, I just drive them nuts because I forget to tell in my story, if you'd believe this, because when I came here, the biggest thing in my life was this drunk. But do you know something? I forget to tell. My husband is sober. He has 17 years to die on this program, thank God. <laughs> but you see, that's, I do forget it. I truly do, because it's not part of my story. That's part of his. And I'm grateful that he has sobriety, because he's well, and he's happy, and our marriage is growing because of it. But you see, I wouldn't care about a marriage if it weren't for Alan. I wouldn't care about anything if it weren't for Alan. I just love you all. Keep it safe. Keep being grateful. Put the gratitude where it rightfully belongs. And thank you so much for having me. God bless you all.